In case it wasn't obvious, Joe Biden is off the reservation in more ways than one. CNN thinks the time change is racist and Karine Jean-Pierre made up a new global prize, or so it seems. My losers of the week are on deck. We are officially in the month of Christmas, and this time of year and year-round, really, Joe Biden and team are the gifts that just keep on giving to comedy and to this loser list, not to the betterment or success of the nation. Loser number one this week comes courtesy of the illustrious Biden White House, where apparently Joe isn't the only one who can't read, speak, or write. Now, the Nobel Peace Prize is to be awarded each year to the person who has done the most for fraternity between nations for the abolition or reduction of standing armies and for the holding and promotion of peace congresses. That's the Nobel Peace Prize, but I have no idea what the hell this is. Today, President Biden met with three U.S. winners of the 2022 Nobel Prize, Dr. Caroline Bertozzi, who won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry, Dr. John Clauser, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics, and Dr. Douglas Diamond, who won the Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences. Oh yes, ye old Nobel Prize, given to the man or woman who isn't quite accomplished enough to receive the real thing or pronounce it, even as the press secretary for the leader of the free world. I'm not sure there has ever been a less qualified press secretary, hell, town dog catcher than that woman right there. But the embarrassments from this administration just keep on coming, which makes a gal like me wonder, is there something in the water over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, or is this just long liberalism, like long COVID, but worse and more embarrassing? Speaking of embarrassing, shoot, just roll the montage. And I'm sure I'll make mistakes, but you know me. Don't hesitate to correct me when I make it. And I know you, you won't hesitate. <laughs> but I really mean it. I really mean it. Well, I tell you what, no one's ever done as much as president as this administration is doing, period. Respect for tribes as nations and treaties as law. Respect for, beg your pardon? I, 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 thought, I thought you said no. Uh, I, was, I was a little getting a little worried. I, I thought you somebody said no. Start building the second school and revitalize the use of the Cherokee language. By the way, she spent a lot of time on other reservations, other uh, nations as well. I'm worried she's not going to come home one of these days when she goes. You think I'm joking, I'm telling you. If I hear more about the Navajos than I hear about me. Um, <laughs> you all think I'm kidding, don't you? I just, I just don't know where to begin, folks. Him asking us to correct him, or when he thought he was being heckled, or my personal favorite, him expressing concern Jill Biden was going to leave him for the Indian Reservation. It is a lot, so I'll just leave it there, Joe, in his loser glory. But on to my final pick for this week, CNN, a mainstream media network that doesn't seem to recognize they are failing as an outlet, in large part due to content like this. Just a couple weeks after declaring the lottery to be racist, CNN has doubled down on its race baiting with this latest assessment, claiming daylight savings time is also, you guessed it, racist. Why? Well, let me read you this intro line and we can go from there. Quote, as the United States rolled back the clocks one hour this month to observe the end of daylight savings time, many people got a bit more sleep than usual, but some not as much as others. 
If you're wondering, the some refers to black and brown people and the others us well-rested white people. Allow me to continue. Poor sleep is associated with a host of poor health outcomes, including obesity, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and certain cancers, including of the breast and colon. Many of these health outcomes are more prevalent in the black population. So allow me to help you all decode and follow this stream of unconsciousness here. The idiotic mental gymnastics this CNN writer had to perform to dump out this journalistic masterpiece. Are you ready? Daylight savings time messes with sleep and lack of sleep is unhealthy and non-white people are less healthy and get less sleep. So therefore, you have it. Daylight savings time is racist. I'm not even going to bother explaining how stupid that take is. I think you can see why, for this reason and countless others, CNN is a loser just in total. And those are my losers of the week. Still ahead, our border is wide open, just how these Democrats like it. But Congresswoman Kat Kamek is on deck with how the GOP plans to secure it without help from the other side of the aisle. And that's next. Thank you, Corrine. Uh, Kevin McCarthy says that he invited President Biden down to the border. How does the president RSVP? (laughs) (laughs) We know know the president's never been down to the border. The possible next speaker says that he wants him to go with him, so is he going to? So look, uh, he's been there. He's been to the border. uh, And since he took office... When, When did he go to the border? Since he took office, the President Biden has been uh, taking action to fix our immigration system and secure our border. And that's why on day one, he put forward an, an immigration uh, Im- immigration reform, a piece of legislation uh, to deal with uh, what is currently happening at the border. Does President Biden want more migrants to come to Delaware? I don't even un- understand that question, but I'll move on. She doesn't understand. That's a theme with Karine Jean-Pierre and the Biden White House as a whole. So let me help her out. According to analysis from the Federation of American Immigration Reform, since Biden took office, over 5.5 million illegals have crossed our border, including countless felons and dozens of people on the terror watch list. So, yeah, it's a big problem and someone needs to tackle it. But will the new GOP House majority be up to the task? Joining me now is Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamek. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being with me. And, you know, just going back to that lovely soundbite there, I don't know how that she can stand there and just lie. As we all know, Joe Biden has not been to the border. He has no plans to go to the border. And to me, that's really a dereliction of duty that he refuses to go to our border. As a sitting congresswoman, what do you think about that from our president? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, that sound clip that y'all just played, I don't think I've ever heard a bigger load of crap from one person. I mean, totally divorced from reality. And she just can't seem to get out of her own way. No, Joe Biden has not been to the border. And let's be clear, he is not the commander in chief. He is the trafficker in chief. And that's evidenced by the fact, to your point, that we have over five and a half million illegals who have come across the border. And what Mayorkas has continually pushed back and saying, oh, those are just encounters and repeat encounters. No, that's nonsense. The data from their own department shows that we have a crisis on our hands. And so not only are we seeing the facilitation of trafficking of children and women by the Biden administration, but our national security has been at risk since Biden took office and they have no desire whatsoever to even address it in a policy format or even go give it lip service at the border. It's ridiculous. It's dangerous. And we are going to pay the price for it every single day until that border is secured. 
Oh, we certainly are, and we're already paying a hefty price for it. And that $5.5 million, that's the ones that they've actually been able to count or to estimate. That doesn't include all the gotaways. God knows how many are, of those are in our country. And that puts a lot of stress on our infrastructure, our police department, our schools. I mean, even if these people are just good people coming to the United States to work, which is a noble reason to come, you know, they're still stressing everything that we have in this country. And it's unfair to Americans who are paying taxes and working hard every day. And they deserve to know how many legal immigrants are in this country. But I wonder, with Kevin McCarthy saying that impeaching Mayorkas is, is coming down the pike, what do we think that's going to do? And do we think it's going to be successful? What have you heard and what is the plan? Well, I think it's important, one, that we show that we're serious about accountability. I can't tell you how many politicians have given lip service to, oh, we're going to hold them accountable. We're going to drain the swamp. Well, we're actually at that point where it's time to put up or shut up. And so we have to go through the investigative process. I can tell you firsthand, I serve on the House Homeland Security Committee, and Alejandro Mayorkas has lied to my face six times. So he needs to be held accountable just for lying to Congress alone. Then you factor in the 98 individuals on the international terrorist watch list, over 600,000 gotaways just this year, the the countless women and children who have been raped and assaulted. On my desk, I have a, a, a jar of wristbands, thousands of wristbands that are used by the cartels to put on humans and treat them like cattle. We are seeing the trafficking of people at our southwest border. Then you take it one step further. You have all these folks that are actively seeking to get away from Border Patrol agents. They're not trying to be apprehended, which means they are either violent criminals, gang members, or they are peddling drugs or other bad, uh, you know, anything like a a bomb or uh, anything that is a risk to national security. When you have fentanyl as the number one killer of people between the ages of 18 and 45, it's not climate change. It's not COVID. It is fentanyl. And it is all coming from the southwest border. Yeah, someone needs to be held accountable. So that investigation is going to go through the process. We're going to put it all on the table because I think the American people, particularly Democrats, need to understand just how dangerous this game is that they're playing. And then when we remove him, whoever steps up, they're put on notice immediately that we will not tolerate the lying, the deception, the negligence. We will not tolerate the abuse that our Border Patrol agents have endured under this regime. That is why it's so important that we go through the process of investigating and then ultimately impeaching. We have such an issue at our southern border, and what I can't figure out is how that issue didn't sway more midterm voters. Because it's a big issue. Our border is as bad as it has ever been. The Democrats have no plan to secure it. They don't even want to see it. You know, I think the one of the only successful leaders to really hammer home the point of how important the border is, is, of course, Donald Trump. And then a lot of Republicans followed his lead, as you are doing. But I wonder, do the American people at large not care that our border is being invaded? We know that hardcore Republicans do. But the independents, the fence riders out there, do you think that they're just not realizing how bad this situation is? Where are we losing these people? You know, it's a great point because like you, I was hoping that the border issue would move more people into getting out and voting during the midterms. But the thing that I have really discovered over the last two years is until you make it a kitchen table issue for everyday Americans in Ohio, New York, Wisconsin, Michigan, if you don't make it an issue that's real to them, then they're not going to care because we, as a, as a species, we are very self-involved. We think that we're, we're the most important people on the planet. And we have jobs and families and all these things going on. So while we absolutely, I think, 
care about our national security as Americans, I think it has to really hit you home. So for the parents that I've had the opportunity to meet that have lost their children to fentanyl poisoning, to the families that are now angel families because they have lost loved ones at the hands of illegals who are in our country committing crimes and continue to um, evade justice. Uh, For those people, it's a real issue. But the thing that I think is going to really drive it home is when we can put the kitchen table issue in the border as one. That's why I was so passionate about the baby formula issue. You know, we turn baby formula into a baseball bat. When you've got moms and dads struggling to find basic necessities formula, especially specialty formula for their kids, that is a real panic. And then they see the videos that we posted of baby formula being stocked at the border that hits home. We need to be exposing this over and over and over again, particularly as we're facing this economic crisis, 40-year high inflation, unemployment starting to go up, all these issues, people are starting to feel the squeeze. Why don't you show them the warehouses that are stocked full of clothing and items and toys where everyday Americans are going without? That's going to hit home much greater than any data or number of, of statistics that we can throw at them. Oh, I agree with you. And another thing, bringing up our national security, not just those individuals that are coming into our country, whether they're apprehended on the watch list or whether they're coming through as gotaways and we have no idea who they are and what they're doing here. Another issue that's been brought to our attention over the last several weeks is air marshals that are now, instead of being on our flights, they're now being sent to the border to essentially be babysitters, a job that they are not trained for, a job that is not their duty. So this is going to be a whole other can of worms for the American people. And until something horrible happens, I don't think they're going to realize it, but I really hope it doesn't come to that. No, it's absolutely insane. The fact that they have an all call out for volunteers, not just across Homeland Security, but across the DOD, that you can come down and volunteer for three weeks stints and process paperwork. Oh, and you can also run errands and go pick up prescriptions for illegals. Give me a break. This is absolutely a slap in the face to every single man and woman who has actually taken the oath. They've gone through the process to become an agent, to become an air marshal. And really, what are they what are they in fight for? There's not a policy that the Biden administration is allowing them to uphold. And when I talk to these agents and it's virtually every day, I hear from these agents, from their families. They say the, the technology will be great. The, the resources will be great. The more manpower, that'll be great. But the thing that we need most is a policy. Give us a policy that allows us to do our damn jobs. That's what we need to do at the end of the day. And I just, I, I can't say enough about why we need to keep hammering this issue. You know, we are in a position in the Tucson sector, for example, instead of sending more manpower, they're pulling people off the line and they're processing and babysitting. Tucson has more gotaways, which are the violent criminals and people with drugs than any other sector. It makes absolutely no sense. And we have to step back and say, this isn't a Republican or a Democrat issue. This is an American issue. And it's time to give a damn because a lot is on the line and it's only going to take one dirty bomb, one terrorist that comes in illegally and destroys people's lives and communities. You know, we hear a lot about Arizona and Texas, of course, with our border issue. We don't hear as much about California, and that's because large portions of our California border have fencing and double wall. So that is a big deterrent, and it allows the agents to really double their force there because they do have those physical barriers. Just another testament to Donald Trump's old adage of build the freaking wall. The last thing I want to ask you about is other GOP House priorities. You know, there's been a 
lot of talk about investigations, and I got to be honest with you, I go both ways on that. One part of me says we need to investigate Hunter Biden. We need to investigate the origins of COVID. We need to investigate Fauci. All those things we deserve answers for. We deserve answers about big tech collusion. But then the other part of me goes, do we need to pay more attention to inflation and the border? Is that where the priority needs to be? Or can we do both at the same time? You're the best person to ask. What do you think? I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, and we have to. And we're kidding ourselves if we think that just doing investigations is going to prove that we deserve to lead. It's absolutely a key part of our job as members of Congress. We have the oversight requirements of our daily job, but we also have to legislate. And that means we've got to fire the 87,000 IRS agents. We've got to get our economy back on track. We've got to support our local law enforcement. We've got to get rid of these liberal DAs. We have got to restore the constitutional freedoms that the Dems have been chipping away at for years. If we don't show that we can legislate and hold people accountable at the same time, we're not going to win elections because then at that point, we're, we're governing for one party rather than for all Americans. And at the end of the day, going into the 24 election, people are going to say, is my life better or worse now that Republicans have the House? And I am hoping and I'm going to work my ass off every single day to make sure that they say, you know what? It's better. They brought down the price of gas. They got things back on track. I'm not feeling the squeeze the way that I was. They're actually holding people accountable and doing what they said they were going to do. That's what it's going to take. But we have got to stop the circus of thinking that we can only do one thing at a time and if we ignore the rest, it's at our own peril. No, it certainly is. And I'm glad that you said that because I know that there are a lot of, of voters who did vote Republican maybe for the first time because of the Biden administration and the buyer's remorse they had with voting in Democrats in 2020. So we have to show them that even though we just have a majority in that one chamber, that you guys can get to work and you can do something. If not anything else, just stop some of the horrible, tyrannical, communist BS that this administration's, administration's been pulling for the last couple of years. Congresswoman, thank you so much for everything that you're doing, for keeping the heat on the border and other issues that are so important to Americans. And we hope to have you back anytime. Hey, thanks so much, Tommy, and congratulations on the nuptials again. Thank you so much. All right, still ahead, he's at a target on his back since he ran for office, but his fight continues. Madison Cawthorn joins me in studio next. He refers to himself as a standard bearer for a new generation of young conservatives. He's fought the establishment and won, and he's fought the establishment and lost. But the fight still continues, and he isn't going anywhere, which we're really glad to hear. Joining me now is my friend, Congressman Madison Cawthorn. Well, Tommy, it's great to be here. It's good to have you in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm telling you, it's one of the few cities in the world that I still really love. I, I'm a big country boy. I like to just be away from cities, but this right. place, it's something special. Well, you know, I came to visit you, I guess, a couple of years now when we were in North Carolina, and I stayed in Asheville, which I thought was going to be like Nashville, but it was more like Seattle. So that was very odd. But then just outside where you live, very conservative, rural, good, conservative people. But all the states are starting to turn into that now. All these places we thought were reliably red are getting a little weird. North Carolina being one, Georgia being another. Absolutely. So looking back on the midterms, it didn't go, you know, as everybody had hoped it was going to go. Were you expecting a red wave or were you surprised? You know what, I would say I was not that surprised by it. Uh, you heard, I think Matt Gates talked about it, I iterated a few times, that actually it's not the worst thing to have a narrow majority. Uh, one being that the conservatives have a lot more power because, you know, the, the, the kind of the people who exist within the uniparty in Washington, you know, they don't have as many votes. So they have to go and get the votes out of mm -hmm. the, the conservatives. And that then lends to further right policies, which is a good thing. But the reason we started talking about that is because as it became pretty evident, especially during the primaries and early on in this election cycle, that 
the red wave is probably not going to happen. And that's mainly because of the funding structure within the GOP. Uh, you saw a lot. I mean, you look at Blake Masters. He was outspent by nearly $70 million. Mm -hmm. Where is the GOP for that? You know, where is the Senate fund for that? Where, where, where is the leadership coming in to help someone? And I think Blake Masters is probably one of the greatest candidates we've ever seen in the country since JFK. I mean, he was incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, but then to see the funding structure really fall down around him and to see the GOP fail the American people like that, it was really sad. And then you see the, the creative ways that you have the, the far left that's starting to fund their campaigns. Right. I mean, they'll do anything. They will send money to Ukraine, then have Ukraine send money to the FTX <laughs> yeah. with Sam Bankman-Fried, or however you pronounce his name. And then you'll see him send the money, be the second largest donor to the Democrats in the entire country. Uh, there were a few uh, members of the right side of establishment that he donated to as well. But I mean, it's we need to start playing dirty. I mean, I, I really think that it's it's time that we just get rid of this genteel politics and stop saying, oh, well, we're just going to win on, on conservative policy because conservative policy works. But unfortunately, the mechanisms that the Democrats are using to be able to take over our country are dominating us in the field. Yeah, I think Americans, especially conservatives, are getting really sick of the drop uh, drop in of the mail in ballots yes. at weird hours. And then all of a sudden, all those narrow leads just become uh, the other side wins by just enough, just enough. It's frustrating. But I wonder, because I think the same thing. We always say, you know, we vote on Election Day. We don't do any of these other tactics. We don't do early voting. And we really are very proud of a lot of those things. But we're not getting out there in our ground game is not what the Democrats have. And I wonder if there's a way to stick to our values and our integrity, but also be able to play the game better so we don't just keep losing. No, Tommy, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the biggest problems that I see is that, you know, this whole idea of going out and voting on Election Day. And we've had some, some pundits on the right who talk about how that's a more secure way to do elections. And trust me, if I could find a way where we only had one day for all of elections. Everyone showed up in person, they showed ID, and they started to vote, except for people that are deployed overseas or people that are homebound. Mm -hmm. You know, that, then I, that would make a lot of sense. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. And so we're trying to force all these conservatives to go out and vote on a single day. Whereas when you start looking at when you can start sending mail-in ballots, the Democrats are collecting votes for over five weeks. I mean, it's a mm -hmm. legalized ver version of ballot harvesting. And when you tell me that I have the field for five full weeks and you're going to go out and fight on a single day, I know where we're going to take the, the, the Democrats would take the win every single time. And because, I mean, you think about it, a lot of these people who go out and vote for conservative policies and vote for conservatives, they're just your normal nine to five working, children mm -hmm. raising, good American families. And they have lives that are going on. They got kids they got to pick up from school. They got places they have to be. They have a car that needs to be taken into the shop. They have work that they have to get back to. And so they're going to be forced to stand in line for hours on end. And I really believe that we need to start mobilizing all five weeks. We need to fight the enemy at their own game or else we're just going to lose. Because early voting is here to stay. It is. And they've codified a lot of these COVID policies that never should have been enacted anyway, but they are here to stay and they're not going anywhere. And I don't see us being able to get rid of them. The Democrats are so good at the narrative. But another thing I wonder, you know, we just had a President Trump announcement a few weeks ago. So I wonder your take on that. Does that help or hurt the GOP? Is the mega movement still the dominating movement within this party? Are you a Trump guy? Are you thinking more about a Ron DeSantis? Heck, do you like Mike Pence? What are you thinking for 2024? <laughs> no, God, that's the worst thing I've ever heard somebody say. Um, now, and again, I think Ron DeSantis is probably the best governor we have in the entire country. Incredible guy, I think he's great. But when you look at what Donald Trump has done for the country, I, I can't think of anyone turning their back on him right now. I mean, this looks like 2016 all over again. You see all these people, especially the ones who supported Ted Cruz coming out as never Trumpers again, saying we're not, we need to move on away from that. That's just wrong. I, I genuinely believe it's wrong. I really do believe, and I think that Ron DeSantis would be a great president. I do. 
but I know for a fact that Donald Trump is a great president. I know that he will fight for my values. But can he get elected? So I think that's the thing. There is, yes, you're, 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 you're hard pressed to find a conservative who doesn't agree that Donald Trump is the best president, certainly of my lifetime, of your lifetime, one of the best presidents ever. His track record speaks for itself. If he were in office now, we would not be in the place we are. If he is in office again, our country will be turned around. I believe that wholeheartedly. The biggest question a lot of conservatives have is can he get elected with everything that's against him? And he's done it before, so I know this. But that Trump derangement syndrome is so thick and so strong, and then you add in the nonstop January 6th yammering on, can he get elected again? You know, Tommy, I think this really lends itself to the beginning of this conversation. We're talking about the tactics that the left uses. And again, like, sure, we can find some maybe some sparklier knights who come in and have shinier armor than Donald Trump. But as soon as they win the primary in a presidential election, they're going to get muddy just the exact same. They're going to play the exact same tactics against them, throw every attack. That they'll make up stories. They'll say they're the worst person to ever exist, that they kill kittens, and that, that they hate children in Christmas. But the problem is, is that I don't really believe we have a... a, a a candidate in our country who's going to be willing to go further and do more to win an election than Donald Trump. And I'm not saying he's going to break the law. He's not saying he's going to cheat. I'm saying he's going to do absolutely everything he can because he's learned from the losses. Mm -hmm. You know, he's won an election and he's lost an election. Again, there was a lot of reasons for that. We can go into that later. But uh, he knows exactly what he's up against. And so I do not think he's going to be going in there just saying, oh, well, let's just play genteel politics. Let's do the same thing we did again. No, I think he's going to come out with a bold strategy that is going to put the Democrats on their heels when it comes to election mechanisms and how we're going to actually get the voters to the polls. I agree with you, but I also know this, that some people, whether they know that Donald Trump would be a great president, they will vote against their own interests because they are just that deranged. Mm. And that is going to be a big problem. And I don't know if it contributed in the midterms or not, but uh, you know, a lot of pundits are saying, well, the Trump-endorsed candidates, I mean, it was kind of a wash whether they did well or they didn't do well. It was kind of evenly split there, and then you have to take into account some well, of the candidates Tommy, themselves. Tommy, if you let me push back on that for one second. Again, there, there were some back, you look at in Pennsylvania with Oz, yeah. you know, we had some weak candidates there. But I, the one thing I want to push back on that is that I think the establishment was trying to sabotage Trump. In oh, that yeah, election. no, of course they were. Then, then, again, it, goes, sure. it yeah. goes back to the funding issue. A lot yeah. of the Trump endorsed MAGA candidates who the people love and the people support did not get any support. In fact, many of them actually got attacked from their own party mm -hmm. from these outside super PACs. That's true. I will give you that. I don't think it was Trump's fault. I do think, though, in certain places in this country, like in Pennsylvania, for example. Oz was a bad candidate. I'm no fan of Oz. I was disappointed when Trump endorsed him. That's not who I wanted, right? But I do think that there were people in Pennsylvania that looked at Fetterman and said, yeah, not good, but I hate Trump. Mm. So I'm just going to go for Fetterman anyway. Yeah. That in certain states did, I think, make a little bit of an impact. And right or wrong, obviously we know it's wrong, but I wonder if that's going to be nationalized in 24. You know, I think that's a, that's a really good question to ask, but I, I really trust the American voters to make the right decision. And I'm telling you, anyone who's considering going up against Donald Trump in this coming election is an idiot. And if they're, they're dumb enough to go up against Donald Trump in a, a presidential primary, then I really question their actual, their, the, the soundness of their mind to actually be the president. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, we have a lot of really popular people in the Republican Party. We have a deep bench, and I'm very thankful for that. But you're not going to mobilize in freaking Alaska against Donald Trump. You're not going to mobilize in Missouri against Donald Trump. He holds rallies with thousands and thousands of people all over the country to support candidates everywhere. And you have people like me who he, he supported me when it gained him absolutely nothing, when it was actually a, a negative thing for him to do so. And so when you have a man that shows you that kind of loyalty, to the people in the Republican Party who are saying, well, maybe, is this the right thing to do? I say shame on you. Where is your loyalty? This man fought for you and you're going to turn mm -hmm. your back on him? That's wrong.
No, I agree. I agree with you on that. And like I said, I think he'd make a fantastic president. Going back to that, though, the Pence of it all. Okay, so just as they the did Pence with Romney and McCain, they are now wrapping their arms around this man, the man that they dogged for years when he was on the ticket with Trump. Yep. Oh, look at him. He he hates women. He belittles women, all this stuff. He won't you know, ride he's, in an elevator. Yes, he's yeah. too conservative. Look at this old white man. But now, just as we saw with the others, the left, the Democrats, the mainstream media seem to be wrapping their arms around Pence. And I don't think it's because they like Pence. I think it's because they hate Trump. But I also think they would love to see Pence be our candidate because he would lose. He would yes. lose to Joe Biden. He would lose he terribly, would. which he is the same, which is the worst uh, insult you could ever give anyone in the yeah. world. No, and he yeah. would. So I wonder, in his mind, in Pence's mind, does he really think he has a shot? You know, I, I don't try to venture into the mind of people that I can't understand. And again, these disloyal just losers. I, 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 I don't, I, I don't think like them. I'm not a beta male, so I don't understand how they think. <laughs> and so, but when I really start to look at it, I know for a fact that anyone who goes against Donald Trump is going to lose. And I really think that we, again, we, you saw all these attacks the Democrats were throwing out. Like you were just saying, oh, well, he's the old white man. He's too conservative. He's all these things. He's too uh, mainstream. He's too old school, all these things. You know, I, I don't think you can ever win a naval war if you don't have any ships. I don't also think you can win a culture war if you don't have anyone who's fighting in the culture. And so I don't want to see just another politician as the vice president of the United States. I want to see a warrior for the culture who's going to go out there and just kick ass on behalf of America. I think there could be some better candidates than the name that you just threw out there. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Oh, I, Nashville's getting spicy. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that we, we don't need to go the direction of we need to appease the old guard. I don't think that that's the route that right. we should go at all. But I do think that there are people out there, like you said, our bench is deep. I think we have. I mean, some, Tommy Lahren would be a good option. Well, I don't want awesome. it, so I have no. I have no desire. I don't want to run for political office. I like sitting here and doing this. But moving forward to what's next for you, you are a rising star in the conservative movement, regardless of what primaries and elections say. Are we going to see you back in action? What's next? You know what? Right now, I'm really focused on. I, I want to start a family. I want to get. You know, I, I enjoy doing business and stuff outside of the public sector. So that, that's going to be fun. But I, I love my country too much to just hang my hat up. You know, I, I have so much support around the country from great patriots who have really supported me, even throughout my defeat and things that big losses and, and these these attacks and smears that the enemy have thrown at me. And so I'm definitely not going to continue to sit this out. I, I have plans to return back to office at some point. I don't know if it's going to be back to Congress or what seat it will be. Um, but that's going to be way on down the road. I, I've got some plans to just, you know, focus on just creating a happy life and enjoying the, my youth. I mean, I'm only 27 years old. I can sit in a cave for the next. I can sit in a cave for the next 20 years and be half the age of the people running for president. And so, I mean, it, it's a, uh, it, it's. I've got a lot of time to figure things out and to take take some time to enjoy life, but I'm definitely going to stay in the fight, continue to fight for conservative principles, and especially for these young conservatives out there who are trying right. to change the country and change the direction of the country. These people who understand the battles that we're up against. You know, I think these people need someone, a standard bearer, someone who's going to come around them and say, hey, I'll help defend you, I'll help fund you, I'll help make sure that you can win these elections and go out and win and be a force on behalf of the good of America. And so that's something I really want to focus on is really getting a lot of young, vibrant conservatives elected into office. And that's something I'm going to focus on. And get young conservatives interested in politics. Yes. We need to be raising up a crop of them because our school system is not doing that for us. <laughs> exactly so it's right. going to be up to those that have an audience and have a following like you, like me, who can go out there and, and show people that the, the green hair 
declared liberalism is not the way to go. It's not beneficial for them or their families or their country. So we hope that you stay in the fight, and we hope that we can turn North Carolina into a reliably red state. Again I hope so. I'm telling you, but with Asheville and Raleigh, I don't see that happening. You know, well, that's we're still going to fight the good fight. Yeah, we're going to fight the good fight for sure. Absolutely. Well, you're welcome in, in red Tennessee anytime, even though All you're right. in blue Nashville right now. <laughs> if we can have blue Nashville, you guys can have a blue areas and then have a red state. Amen so. to that. Good for you there, and right. I hope you enjoy Nashville. I know you have a lot of fun here. So. Yes, indeed. Thanks, I hope Tommy. you have a great time this weekend. All right. Up next, California is opening the Freedom Gates to pedophiles, and I've got some final thoughts. That's next. Pedophiles are being released back into the streets in California by the thousands. Are y'all really shocked by this? This is exactly what happens not only in jacked up California, but in a society that prioritizes felon coddling criminal justice reform over decent law-abiding Americans. And it's time for Final Thoughts. Thousands of sex offenders and pedophiles, sorry, minor attracted persons, are being released in California after spending less than a year behind bars. In fact, a little search of California's Megan Law database, and you'll see it's more than 7,000 sex offenders convicted of lewd or lascivious acts with a child under 14 years of age. But wait, there's more. The report found that predators convicted of continuous sexual abuse of a child spent less than a year in prison, as well as three cases of convicts who kidnapped kids under 14 with intent to commit lewd or lascivious acts, and nearly 40 cases of sodomy with a child under 16. And that short sentence of less than a year, well, it's not some accident, some anomaly. In Gavin Newsom's California, convicted pedophiles spend an average of two years and 10 months in prison. This is the California standard, folks. The state has a whole basket of felon coddling policies, such as First Assembly Bill 109, the so-called realignment law. The idea was to ease prison overcrowding by redefining some 70 crimes as less serious or nonviolent. Then there's Proposition 47, approved in 2014, which converted a series of crimes from felonies to misdemeanors. And in 2017, the legislature passed Senate Bill 180, which limited the ability of law enforcement to send chronic drug abusers back to prison. And to top it off, Governor Greasy Gavin Newsom put a moratorium on the death penalty. Addicts, felons, thieves, dealers, sex offenders wandering the streets because California Democrats are more concerned with lowering the prison population and handing out second, third, and 15th chances than they are about protecting and serving law-abiding residents just trying to work hard and make a living in that godforsaken state. Second chances, redemption, and rehabilitation, my ass. If you're an adult who touches, fondles, and abuses anyone, let alone a child, you are a sicko, irredeemable, and unreachable. Maybe God Almighty will forgive you at the gates of heaven, but while you're here on earth, your perverted behind should rot behind the gates of prison. And what really burns me is how erratic liberals still are about January 6th and protecting democracy. Meanwhile, they're letting sex offenders roam the streets to prey on adults and children alike and that's reform? If we as a nation, red and blue states alike, are unable or worse, unwilling to protect children from predators, we don't deserve the free earth we walk on. And those are my final thoughts. Be sure to catch the entire episode as well as exclusive content on Outkick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.